0: Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Wool this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist Wool this week, broadcast across Australia. ...via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The Anarchist World this week comes from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. If you want to know what Anarchy is all about, uh, it's very simple. Anarchos without rulers, what's the main uh, focus... How do you create a society without rulers? Well, you look at what gives rulers power. Inequalities in power and wealth is what allows rulers to put their interests before the interests of everybody else. Whether it's based on economic power, whether it's based on institutional power, it is irrelevant. What's relevant is they do have that capacity, and we see it constantly. When eight people on the planet Earth, which has got seven billion people, own more than... 3.5 billion people You know there's, there's a problem somewhere In terms of inequalities of wealth And when you've got people like uh, You know the you, You've got totalitarian capitalist states Like Russia and China And you've got buffoons like uh, the Groper in the US of A Who wield power You know there's an issue when we have hierarchy So the anarchist struggle Is the struggle to devolve power And share wealth A very simple struggle If you're interested in that struggle Keep listening to the anarchist world this week If you're not if you're out there and you want power and wealth for yourself, piss off. Okay, here you now. Let's move on. Now, let's. I'd like to start off with talking about evil. Mmm, terrible word, isn't it? Evil. Now, look, I'm a. I think I'm a reasonable judge of human character. Sometimes I may need a little bit of time to work people out. But I think we now have in power one of the most evil human beings that Australia has seen who kind of runs behind this masquerade of being you know, a family friendly happy clapper Prime Minister I can imagine when Turnbull was turned round when he felt that last knife he, he had his, his back and he turned about and he said et tu brutus to Mr. Morrison. Now, those of you, and Mr. Morrison is a very slick political operator. And that's what makes him difficult to pin down. Now, Abbott was a fool and a buffoon, and he came to his just deserts, losing the last uh, election. Turnbull was about Turnbull, and he came to his just deserts. But Morrison, Likes to portray himself as a man of the people As a family man As a man whose tenure in office will be grounded by moral concerns As an active Pentecostal Christian He's a slippery character And what I've noticed in the last three months since the election in May Is how he has been crafting this public image As him as the nice dad The nice dad But when you look at the legislative position That his leadership in the Liberal National Party has resulted in You begin to realise that this nice dad This family man This man who waited till Dutton, you know, exposed himself as the fool he was and then ran down the middle and sliced everybody to bits, grabbing the Liberal Party Prime Ministership and then burying a Labour Party which was, began to begin its own, began to begin believing in its own propaganda. You realise how intelligent this human being is. I'm not saying Mr Morrison, our current Prime Minister, is a fool. He is no fool. He knows how to manipulate public opinion. He knows how important it is to have a public persona which is friendly. But while you see this friendly big brother figure out there picking and choosing what interviews he will do, you know, you begin to realise that the agenda that this government is pursuing is worse than the Abbott agenda and worse than the Turnbull agenda. This is a man who had the audacity to try to denigrate the opposition because they got a debate going about the pathetic New Start allowance and called it unfunded empathy. This is a man who's turning Canberra Parliament House into Happy Clappy, Happy Clappers Central in Australia. We are now on the brink of seeing a religious freedom, so-called religious freedom document, legislation, being pushed through both houses of Parliament in the next few months. I mean religious freedom is a very simple concept It's about having state protection That allows you to discriminate in favour of your particular beliefs And that's the key word, beliefs It's not about reality, it's about beliefs At the same time we saw Mr Morrison Colours come forth during the Pacific Forum where he turned his back. That's right, turned his back on the Pacific Island nations who asked Australia to sign a consensual agreement about reducing and eventually phasing out coal power. This is a man who leads a political party that still... Does not accept, and the key word is not belief, but does not accept the evidence that climate change is real and it's a direct consequence of human activity on the planet. It's a little bit like saying to the people of Tuvalu, where the height, the highest point in Tuvalu I think is 1.5 metres, that's actually shorter than I am, turning their back on them and saying to them, well, boys and girls, We don't think much of you We can't even draw up a consensus Regarding phasing out coal power So this is akin to this Unfunded, empathy, happy clapper Prime Minister Refusing to throw a lifeline To a drowning population At the same time making noises About the Chinese government, the totalitarian capitalist government in China Not communist, totalitarian capitalist government in China Throwing a financial lifeline to the people of Tuvalu and the rest of the Pacific So see, the thing about evil is When it's obvious, you can counter it You can do things to protect yourself it can be to be forewarned is to be forearmed, but when evil portrays itself as reasonable, as the face of the public, as the face of you know reasonable human beings, you begin to realise that it is a very dangerous situation we find ourselves in. In Australia in 2019, and I think nothing gives us an insight into the mentality of this Prime Minister and the current Liberal National Party government than the address he gave to the National Press Club a few days ago regarding the public service. And you need to listen to the whole address because if you rely on the snippets of news, in inverted commas, which leaks out to the media, and this is the beauty of somebody who is evil, they can actually craft their message in such a way as to ensure only the, you know, the happy bits are reported, like saying, oh, a public servant's duty is to serve the public. Because they pay your wages Let's look at the speech Let's look at the speech This is an insight This speech is an insight Into the legislative agenda That this government has Regarding the 30% of people Who rely on social security benefits to survive It's not just a blueprint for outsourcing the public service to the private sector and putting a few more shekels and shillings and pounds and cents into the pockets, you know, of their corporate mates. But this is an exceptionally important issue because he's not just talking about the government outsourcing the provision of services which Labour and Liberal government have done since the disastrous Hork-Keating years. He is talking about, and we saw some of this come into play at the end, before the last election. He is about sourcing out the responsibility for making Decisions about the lives Of Australian citizens And permanent residents Who rely on social security Benefits to the private sector Tying in the return To the private agent With their ability To control the individual That, that private agency Is providing so-called services for On behalf Of the community and the Australian Government For example the Parents Next Program Which is a program which is basically designed To harass and Torture single parents Gives The private Sector corporation Or company which is One that tender to provide the Service the ability To knock off people off That payment if they believe they're not doing what they ask them to with no right of appeal to the public service. It's the same we saw with the start allowance and the way the private sector now has a legislative uh, approval to actually fine and knock people off their meagre payments because some private sector employee Thinks that that individual has been disrespectful to them Now if you think I'm exaggerating I'm not exaggerating This is an exceptionally important public speech Because it outlines this government's legislative program To make The public service into an American style public service where the public service is directly, directly the plaything of the minister. It's not about the public service providing, you know, advice and then the minister making a decision regarding that advice. It's about turning, changing the role it's about the Minister making the decision and then the public service you know, carrying out that decision on behalf of the Minister's ideological bent. It's an important change. It's an exceptionally important change in the way the public service has been used in this country to provide services to some of the most exploited people in the country. Huge change philosophical change. We are now not just seeing the outsourcing of the services to the private sector, we are now outseeing the sources res, we are now outsourcing the responsibility of the public sector To make decisions about individuals And about what type of benefit They're entitled to And more importantly Outsourcing that decision To private companies Which are profiting From the very people They are supposed to be Providing the service for And that's why I use The word evil Because I don't think very few people in this country Have realised the battle we are in for as a people Over the next three years This is a very slippery government Which has two faces It has a face for the public Where it comes across as the kind daddy The moral man The moral government which decides on a legislative assembler based on, you know, moral foundations, and the private cabinet face, which is about destroying the public service, continuing to outsource to the private sector uh, services which have been provided by the public service. It's about a government led by a man who is basically beholden to the coal industry in this country, who makes references to climate change, speaking the language that people want to hear, but behind their backs... Passes legislation or puts legislation through parliament which stops us as a community from actually addressing this issue. And if we think we're a minor player, although there's only 25 million of us, less than 25 million of us, we do play a major, major role in greenhouse emissions in this country. It's not a matter of belief, it's a matter of fact. So, it's a very dangerous situation we find ourselves in. It's all very well, you know, to rile against Dutton types and Barnaby Joyce types and Turnbull types and Abbott types, you know, and the list goes on and on because they are so transparent. They are so transparently foolish. Their policies, you can see, are crafted by a corporate sector which is only interested in maximising profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. But when you get a government which pretends to be the friend of ordinary Australians, when you get an Etu uh, Brutus a Prime Minister Like Mr Morrison, who pulls the ordinary Australian with them, towards them, with their folksy language and then plunges the knife into their back and destroys their future. You know that we have a very, very, very difficult struggle over the next few years against a very, very adept intelligent Prime Minister leading a cobbled together government of fools so how long this honeymoon for Mr Morrison will continue in the corporate owned media and the government guild at ABC and how long the Australian people will think that somehow we have in the Lodge in Canberra some morally bla- based, family friendly, Australia first, happy clapper, who is there to do the bidding of the Australian people, not the bidding of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, is difficult to know. That it is our job, To whip away the mask, Victorian style Where they have laws which prevent people from using masks in demonstrations I mean, everybody in Hong Kong would be arrested, wouldn't it? But it gets worse I mean, it's one thing to outsource decision making Outsource services It's one thing to turn your back On your neighbours and say, ah, well, you know, you're drowning, who cares We're just going to plug on the way we are You know, we're not going to even try But it's another thing to beat the war drums That's right, have you been hearing the war drums beating? Have Mr Trump, the groper, you know, the bully gears himself to fight the you know the totalitarian capitalists in China and Russia he needs allies because he's got a lot of enemies. The European Union maybe apart from a few deluded British politicians. The Middle East, apart from the brutal feudal monarchy of Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia You know, he doesn't have many friends. And if you're a bully, and nothing highlights that, than the way he treated the two members of Congress, especially the Palestinian member of Congress, who was denied entry into Israel to see her grandmother in the West Bank, then the reaction, nothing highlights, but bullies need Friends. And Mr Morrison And the National Liberal Coalition Which is currently in power Are just the types of friends that bullies need And when you attack a bully You attack their friends Because without their friends they are nothing Now we are in a position where Australia is going to become a very, 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 very lonely place in the world community where we will be seen as pariahs because as the war drums are beating what we are seeing is a clever, slow campaign To get Australians to once again Worry about The domino theory The yellow peril I mean that's been part of our history For over a hundred years So we need to create That fear In the community That will Allow governments Future governments To increase the military budget And more importantly Make Australia a physical That's right A physical colony Of the United States Because what we are seeing is the war Drums are beating As they're beating louder and louder As the corporate owned media And the government guild at ABC Jump on the bandwagon As the discussion in social media Continues about The yellow hordes And the domino theory Aka 2019, China 2019. What we will see is the Australian desire to remain independent crumble. As we come to believe that our very existence is totally dependent on somebody as irrational as the current President of the United States. And what we are seeing through this propaganda effort to lull people into this war mentality, lull Australia into a war mentality, is the creation st- creation of the foundation stone stones of turning North Australia, that's North West Australia, North Queensland, half of the Northern Territory, into an international military base, which will be at the forefront of any dispute between the United States and China. We will be that proxy. North Australia will be that proxy. We will be the Yemen of the Pacific Why do, do I say the Yemen of the Pacific? There you have the Iranians and the Saudi Arabians Using Yemen as a proxy war A proxy war we saw across the globe During the time you know, of the uh, decolonisation struggles of the 60s and 70s We saw Russia and uh, the United States pitted against each other In Mozambique, in Angola, in Equatorial Guinea In Guatemala Nicaragua, and the list goes on and on and the Congo where millions of people were slaughtered for the economic interests of superpowers and we run as a people we run the very real risk of finding ourselves in this very same situation initially we'll send a few ships to keep the Strait of Hamas open then We'll find that uh, the naval base, which will built on Manus Island, will appear. Then maybe another naval base somewhere else in the Pacific. And then we may see intercontinental ballistic missile missiles, bases spring up in northern Australia. We've already got the uh, situation in Pine Gap. We've got not just an information hub, but a, a hub where Drone activities directed around the world This is a very dangerous time And unfortunately Most Australians Don't actually think it is dangerous We have a wonderful Prime Minister We have a man who smiles As he stabs you in the back We have a man who has one of the most Totalitarian Legislative agendas that this country has seen since Federation 119 years ago We, as a, we have a government that refuses to acknowledge basic facts like human induced climate change A government which thinks that the ability of religious based groups to plunder public funds is their right and then have the power to actually discriminate legally because of their religious beliefs is an extraordinary state of affairs because we are in for one bumpy ride as a people both economically locally and internationally because our star has been driven into the star and stripes flag of the United States of America. I'm not saying there's no resistance. Obviously, there's resistance. But that resistance currently is minimal. Because most people believe the propaganda. And I'm not talking about listeners to this program. I'm talking about listeners outside the program. Millions of people. Let's be realistic. I mean, I mean, we're nothing. We're nothing. The Anarchist World this week is nothing. If it was something, if we had a little bit of power, a little bit of push, I can assure you we would, wouldn't be broadcasting in Australia in 2019. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joshua am hosting today's program. You can go to the uh, uh, YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. I do one presentation a week. Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, YouTube channel. You can go to our webpage, anarchismedia.org, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You can download the application form to join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, pibc, P-I-B-C-I dot net. That's pibc, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Lots of things we can do to make change. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. You go to the Facebook pages. My personal Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. No, you won't find out what colour underpants I wear or maybe I don't even wear them. Who knows? I don't even know half the time. Or uh, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Go to the website. Public interest before corporate interest, Pibci, PIBCI.net P-I-B-C-I dot net. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Because our three, the three basic building blocks of a democratic society, and I'm not just talking about representative democracy, but direct democracy, the three basic building blocks are freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, and freedom of association. And in this country, where there is no constitutional, direct constitutional protection for freedom of association, freedom of speech and freedom of assembly, it's up to the government of the day to decide what freedoms, in inverted commas, we as citizens enjoy. It's quite extraordinary. Let's move on. Let's move on. Because I think it's important that we understand. But not only, not only understand, but act. Because knowledge without action is collaboration as far as I'm concerned. If you know what's happening in the world today, if you don't act on what's happening in the world today, you are collaborating with the very people who are responsible for what's occurring. For example, as far as the sexual abuse of children was concerned, and we've just seen that the... um, Uh, Former Cardinal Pell's appeal has been turned down by the uh, Victorian Supreme Court. But people knew for years about what was happening in the Catholic Church. They knew for years and decades, not just those who were abused by church-based, religious-based institutions, But people in authority, people in the police force, people in the government. I remember, you know, the jokes you'd hear in the playground as a kid, at primary school in the fifties and sixties. I'm, you know, old enough to remember that about not getting too close to the priest, because you knew what happened to kids who got too close. It was coming knowledge. So the knowledge was there. The knowledge was there, but there was no action. And if you have the knowledge and don't act, it is collaboration with the perpetrator. That's why we have the introduction of mandatory reporting laws in this country in various fields to force people to act because historically we may acknowledge what is happening but as Australians we tend not to act because I don't know where we got this myth that Australians were independent, radical-minded people, you know, who believed in individual liberty and blah, 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 from their nose at authority. The reality is that Australian history is littered with examples of people knowing and not acting. I mean, we're no different to anybody else. Because there are consequences when you act. And there were consequences for those who raised the issues of sex, institutional sexual abuse for decades in this country. And those consequences would have been ostracised, marginalised, thrown to the side, vilified, not getting a job. And every radical knows that. You open your mouth. You put forward a, a new way of thinking. You know that your job is Temporary you know that those in authority do not do not put up with criticism look at the recent High Court judgments. We're a public servant who in her private time anonymously tweeted about this country's disgusting asylum seeker refugee issues on Manus Island and Nauru and the High Court finds that the Commonwealth Government does have the power to fire her because she's got no right to criticise the government of the day because she's an employee of the government of the day so you know that to raise your voice against authority and those who exercise power does have consequences and that's why there's very little action although there's knowledge and that's why it can take decades of action for things to change This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now this public housing struggle continues and it is one of the most difficult struggles I've been involved in. And I'll tell you why. Because the usual suspects are there with their hands out. Their hands out waiting for state government and federal government, MUNA, taxpayers' funds. Normally... In a public housing struggle, you'd see the religious-based organisations, you'd see the community housing groups, you'd see the social housing groups, all fighting shoulder to shoulder to extend and defend the public housing sector. But across this country, especially in Labor Victoria... We have seen policies after policy after policy go through Parliament, which is designed to run down the public housing sector, to move people out of the public housing sector into so-called privatised accommodation, social and affordable housing. That's right. Once again, outsource the government responsibility for providing housing. Now it's been a particularly cold winter and wet in Victoria and there are many people who are not in stable housing and some who are homeless who have had a particularly difficult winter and will continue to have a particularly difficult spring and summer because out of a population of over 5 million in Victoria only about 64,000 people live in public housing. I mean it was 15% of the population about 30 years ago because public housing was not just there for emergency situations which it is today and even then it's almost impossible to get in because of the limited stock but public housing was there to provide affordable housing to people who would never be able to afford to purchase a home, purchase security In the private marketplace And that's what having a home is It's about security And that's what rental In the public housing sector gives people Security Not just personal security But security in getting on With their lives Because you need a roof over your head Before you can actually Kind of Look at other issues Your kids need to go to the same school They need to have the same friends They don't need to be moved around every six months or twelve months as you, you know, eking out, you know, rental accommodation. So what do we see? We see a government artificially elevating rents at the lower end of the market by providing benefits to investors through, you know, negative gearing. We see governments at the local, state and federal level putting all their eggs in the affordable and social housing markets. That means offloading their responsibility, outsourcing their responsibility to the private sector. And currently we are seeing there are very few people out there agitating for public housing. And I'll tell you why. If you're a public housing tenant, you want to keep your head low because you don't want to be evicted. It's very easy to be evicted and people are evicted every day. So you're not going to get out there on the barricades When you know the very sec- your security is at risk Especially if you've got a children Especially young children Then we have the usual suspects Who would be, we should be fighting with shoulder to shoulder You know the religious based organisations The non-government organisations They're all rubbing their hands in glee As they're waiting for the manna from heaven Or all, right, all that manna from taxpayer heaven to fund private, social and community housing. So they're not interested in the public housing sector. They're interested in their own empires. Maybe they're not for profit, but it's about empire building. So you've just basically got idiots like you and me who are there pushing for the extension and defence of public housing because we see public housing as an integral responsibility of government because government isn't... As it was in the 17th and 18th century Just an instrument By which those who exercise power Put down dissent And continue to exercise power The revolutions And the reform movements Of the 19th and early 20th century Were responsible for transforming Government from an instrument Of direct oppression To an instrument Which provided services And protection. To individuals who are not catered for by the public sector. That's gone. Disappeared. As I spoke about last week, about the death of a thousand cuts to public service, uh, public service provisions across this country. So, if you are interested in the public housing struggle, our strategy is very simple. And again, I'm only familiar with the Victorian situation, obviously the situation will change from state to state, because some governments are hell-bent on privatising public housing, like the New South Wales government and the Victorian government other governments like the Queensland government are protecting public housing so we will continue our campaign to make public housing everybody's business because Because public housing should be housing for everyone who cannot afford to buy a house. Now, I know people rub their hands in glee and their eyes kind of glow. And Andrews, led the Labor government, especially Mr Andrews, kind of goes into raptures, you know, whenever he talks about the building boom, the $15 billion which are going to be spent on public infrastructure over the next few years in this country, the underground railway, you know, uh, system or you know, whatever, a subway system. You know, the 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 level crossings which have been removed. And look, I know about roads. I travel in the Melbourne urban area. I do about a thousand kilometres a week, so I know what it's like out there. And I know that when I drive, I see homeless people in places I have never seen before. This morning, on my drive in in Into 3CR Is the station in which I'm Doing the anarchist Will this week For the community radio network Because this program streams live On 3cr.org.au And you're listening to it live There was a 70 Possibly 75 year old Bag lady Who somehow had weathered Another cold night Carrying about 20 little shopping bags Not even a shopping trolley this week And the further you get into the city The more homeless people you see And it's it's not like It shouldn't be like this Public housing is a matter of political will It's not A reform agenda It's not a revolutionary agenda You don't need blood in the streets There are 88 members of the Legislative Assembly in Victoria And 40 members of the Legislative Council They could pass legislation tomorrow That's right, tomorrow Tomorrow, which would get rid of homelessness within a week or a month, maximum. You could house everybody on the waiting list within a year. You could house 15% of Victorians in public housing within a decade. It's very simple. Because we have a tax in Victoria, which the rest of Australia has, called stamp duty. Housing stamp duty. And I know there's been a bit of debate about how high it is because of the rising property prices. Where people buying a $900,000 home, which is about the medium these days in Melbourne, are paying $50,000 in stamp duty, and it goes higher and higher. You can buy a $220,000 unit if you can find it somewhere in the burbs, and you're still paying around $8,000 in stamp duty. So it's a bit of a windfall for the Victorian state government and all state governments across the country. And in Victoria, which I'm familiar with, they raise six billion, six to seven billion dollars a year from uh, public, from uh, st- housing stamp duty revenue. Now, this goes into all sorts of things. Now, if this money, which is a tax which is raised from people buying a home, was quarantined for public housing, it would have a tremendous effect on the community, not just on the travelling public. Not just on reducing the time people spend on congested roads, but a tremendous effect on the community. Because if you quarantine stamp duty revenue, housing stamp duty revenue for public housing in Victoria, let's say you pick up seven billion, use a billion to administer the system, you've got six billion left with six billion, you can spot purchase you don't have to, you don't even have to build them. You can spot purchase homes around the state, units, flats, homes with gardens for families. You could spot purchase at least twenty five thousand. That's right, twenty five thousand you know houses a year. And if you do that You get rid of the public housing list in a year. 15%, you you would house over a, you know, you would house over a million Victorians, about 20% of the population, or about 15% in about 10 years time, you know, in public housing. And the list goes on and on. So we are continuing this struggle through Defend and Extend Public Housing and Public Housing Everybody's Business. If you do find yourself in the city of Melbourne, Every Wednesday from 530 to 6.30pm We have a vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House It may not be earth-shattering But it would be earth-shattering if you had 10,000, 50,000 people there every Wednesday, wouldn't it? So, come along Go to the um, Facebook page, Public Housing Everybody's Business Or Defend an Extent Public Housing and learn more about it Because ultimately... Public housing benefits everyone, and I'll tell you how. Not only does it provide accommodation for the homeless, not only does it provide accommodation for people you know, seeking urgent accommodation, not only does it provide accommodation for people who can't buy in the private housing sector, but as the amount of public housing stock increases, rents decrease, especially in the lower end of the market because fewer people are competing, and so the investors will have to take a a lower rent. As rent decreases, the negative gearing gains may not be as much as you'd like. Therefore, you put the property on the market. Therefore, property prices at the lower end of the market drop. And if they drop at the lower end of the market, they will have an effect on all the market, which means more people can actually enter the private market. So a strong public housing sector paradoxically assists the private housing sector. And even investors, well, of Australians who have a second home, negative geared, well, it's good for you too because, one, you won't see your fellow citizens on the streets, but more importantly, it creates community cohesion, decreases violence, increases security for everybody. So get involved in the public housing, everybody's business struggle. Now, talking about another struggle which I've been involved in for a number of years, that's the West Papuan Struggle. Now, just to give you some background, uh, in the mid-1960s, uh, West Papua was still a Dutch colony, and after a bodgy, you know, um, so-called referendum, which included about a thousand hand-picked people, West Papua was incorporated into D- Indonesia. Now, if anybody knows about Indonesia, the West Papuans are Melanesians. They are part of the island of Papua New Guinea and West Papua, you know, they have nothing in common culturally. Language wise, religious wise with the Indonesian population. But they were incorporated into Indonesia because West Papua is a gold mine. It has the biggest gold mine in the world at Freeport. It has beautiful forests which are waiting to be, uh, cut down and turned into pulp. It has extraordinary fishing reserves around the country. It has mineral resources to exploit. So you can see it is the jewel in the crown in the Indonesian archipelago. But unfortunately, the West Papuans have been left out of this little paradise. And they've had enough. Over 500,000 have directly died died since they were incorporated into Indonesia over 60 years ago. And for a population of 1.5 million, that's a lot of people. And a few days ago, West Papuan students in Indonesia were brutally treated by the military. By police. I know that if, you know, one student in Hong Kong is brutally treated by the police, we'd have wonderful visage of it. And we're all up and, jumping up and down, you know, for them, which I support. But when you get students being, West Papuan students being brutalised by police in Indonesia, doesn't even, it's not even news. So West Papuan started to riot a few days ago and they've burnt down a number of government buildings and now there are many of us, some have fled back into the jungle because there is still a resistance movement in the jungle in West Papua which has been fighting for independence now for over 60 years. And the West Papuan independence movement has now become united. So, what can you do? Because knowledge without action is Collaboration. Well, that's my, my new motto, knowledge without action is collaboration. You can you can sign the Decolonise West Papua petition. Just go online, Decolonise, you can spell it with a Z or a S West Papua. You can join the Decolonise West Papua rally if you live in regional Victoria at 4pm to 6pm on Friday the 6th of September uh, between Doveton and Dawson Street in Sturt Street in Ballarat. You can join them. Or, most importantly of all, not that I'm saying direct action is important, you can become part of the West Parkland Rent Collective. Now, the West Papuaireann Independence Movement has been, courtesy of the West Parkland Rent Collective, which I'm the convener of, which I initiated with my late wife, Ellen Jose, has been paying the rent for an office for the West Papua Independence Movement based in Melbourne, which has a profound impact on that struggle around the world, which is an organising centre to further their ambitions for independence, which has been able to get the Melanesian Spearhead Group and the Pacific Forum That's right, the Pacific Forum was just asked to allow human rights investigators into West Papua. I just asked Indonesia. Again, through the actions of this group. So, we are short of members in the Rent Collective. It's a dollar a day. And if you can't afford a dollar a day, you can make a one-off donation. Now, for a packet of cigarettes a month, that's $30. That's what they tell me they cost these days. Or a few pizzas. You can actually provide essential logistic support to the West Papua independence movement in this country. This is the sixth year that the office has been running and it's been running courtesy of people like you. Ordinary Australians. Not the ordinary Australians that the Prime Minister, you know, bats his eyelid at, but the ordinary Australians that I bat my eyelids at. Those that have the knowledge and are willing to take action. So if you want to join the Re- Rent Collective, you can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can leave a message on 0439 You can join anonymously. And these periods, maybe it's a good time to join anonymously. But you can actually be part of this last bastion, Of colonisation on planet Earth Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World This week on your local Community radio station This program has been streaming live On 3cr.org.au That's 3cr.org.au The program is podcast You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au That's 3cr.org.au You can write to me Yes, I do answer letters Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 You can email me at anarchistage at com Or pibci P-I-B-C-I dot net Facebook pages to look at Joseph Toscano Defend and Extend Public Housing Public Housing, Everybody's Business The Wednesday Action Group The West Parkland um, Information Centre And the list goes on and on Lots of things you can do You don't have to just throw Slippers at Mr Morrison When you see him on television I wouldn't waste a a slipper in real life But when you see him on television Because you don't want to break your television set They're pretty expensive these days So you can be active You can get involved Join us this afternoon, 5.30 to 6.30 That's Wednesday the 21st of August Outside the Victorian Parliament House Join us outside Spencer Street Station Southern Cross Station today, midday to 1pm See you well, no, I won't see you. I'll be talking at you next week. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of Death construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national, and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord yeah.